0: If you're visiting with us and aren't familiar with the Bible, we're glad that you're here. We've gone ahead and printed the text on page 10 of your worship guide, so you can have that in front of you. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 5. Reading through verse 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh... through His Spirit who dwells in you. Please be seated. Will you pray with me one more time and ask God's blessing on His Word preached this morning. Let's pray. The Lord Jesus, no longer in the grave, raised to new life and reigning in heaven, come and work in our midst this morning. Through Your Word, may we hear Your voice. Change us by the resurrection power of your spirit. Convict us of sin, but encourage us. Don't leave us here as we were. Change us. Make us different. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, in May 1915... The British Ocean liner the Lusitania was struck by a German torpedo and as many of you know, sank. Over 60% of the passengers died in that catastrophic event. But what's interesting is that what caused most of the death wasn't the torpedo, it was false hope. See, the Lusitania was promoted and believed to be an unsinkable ship. And so after the torpedo hit the ship, the rumors started to spread. "She's fine. Nothing's wrong. She sustained the damage." And they were simply in that moment, with the false hope, confirming the propaganda, the marketing that they had received previous, previously. And see, they died because their hope was not grounded in reality. So let me defy the rumors. This is a broken world, and it's sinking, and we're broken people, and our lives are falling apart, because sin has entered into the world, God's perfect world, and has wrecked it for all of us, and has wrecked us with it. Those are the brutal facts. We've got to have those in front of us, so that we can come out of today with a good Brutally grounded hope as well. We've got to confront the facts if we're going to have hope that sustains instead of false hope. A hope in Jesus' resurrection which grounds our hope in a new reality. So first, before we get there and talk about the hope that the resurrection brings, let me first talk about how a hope operates and then talk about a definition, a biblical definition of hope. Here's how hope operates hope provides an anchor and a horizon so uh, in in the stormy seas of life we need an anchor that digs deep into solid ground that can hold us there and provide some sense of safety but it also needs to give us a sense of where we're going It'll orient us pilots ...are taught that when your instruments go dead and you're disoriented... ...the first thing you need to do is look for your horizon. It's a fixed point of reality. And then orient yourself and your craft to that place. Hope in the resurrection of Jesus provides us both a grounded anchor... ...and a horizon that sets the direction for our lives... But what is hope? Because I want to differentiate what I'm going to call a grounded hope from just wishful thinking. Because oftentimes when we use the word hope, really what we mean is wishful thinking. Like, I hope I'm going to win the lottery. Well, that's just wishful thinking. But, biblically, hope is grounded in historical events and God's promises. Biblically, hope is... ...is a grounded confidence that things will change for the better. It's grounded because it acknowledges both the hard facts... ...and sets its anchor in the historical event of Jesus' resurrection. And so a grounded hope, if I can illustrate this another way... ...a grounded hope during World War II... ...wishful thinking would have been when France was occupied and was saying... Well, we sure hope that someone sets us free. A grounded hope, different from wishful thinking, happened when the Allies stormed the beaches of Normandy. And on that day broke in a historical event the stronghold that Nazi Germany had on occupied France. It was grounded because no longer was it just I hope and wish that things will get better. Things have changed with this event. And no longer... Will we be occupied and under the terror of Nazi Germany? And so the resurrection of Jesus is the event on which the whole Christian faith hangs. The resurrection of Jesus was more than just a historical event. It was a historical event that changed everything. It was a historical event in this way. I'm going to move this before I flip it over. It was a historical event on the third day Jesus rose from the dead. He was crucified 3 days later on the third day rose. It happened. There are good reasons to believe it happened. Men and women died because they believed. We don't die for wishful thinking. You die because you are grounded in a hope that has so redefined your life. 500 witnesses to it. There are good reasons to believe. It was an historical event that actually happened, but it was unique. You see, Jesus wasn't the first person to rise from the dead. Elisha, the prophet in ancient Israel, raised a young man from the dead. Jesus raised multiple people from the dead. Even after the resurrection of Jesus, the apostle Paul raised a man from the dead. It wasn't the first resurrection or the last resurrection, but what it was was unusual and unique. And what makes the resurrection of Jesus absolutely different and unique was who was raised. He was the Son of God who bore the curse for sin. Or to put it in another way, what made the resurrection of Jesus was unique was that Jesus was crucified for sin. And then raised from the dead. And both of these truths are essential for what Paul is getting at here in Romans chapter 8. Because what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 8 is that when Jesus was raised, unlike Elisha's young man, or like Lazarus who Jesus called from the grave in three days, when Jesus was raised, he ushered in a new era, a new reality that is marked By new potential. Now, I want you to think for a moment how certain technological advances usher us into a completely new age. These changes oftentimes are so drastic that we don't know that they have happened until years down the line. So, the automobile, when it came on the scene, radically changed not just transportation. But the landscape of the entire world, cities changed. People are moving from rural areas to city centers. People were able to transport goods. The entire economy changed with the advent of the automobile or the computer. Changed the entire industries. Everyone's lives has been changed by the advent of the computer. But when the computer was invented, you didn't notice That a new era had been instituted. A new era had come that would radically change everything else. You had to live with that reality for a while. And you see, this is what the resurrection of Jesus brought. A new age, a new era. Nothing is the same as it once was. Now, we might not grasp all of the ways that things have changed. But since sin entered the world and broke it and broke us, God made a promise. Since all of Adam's sin put us under God's curse, God promised to right the wrongs, to mend the broken, to bear the curse. We heard it in our call to confession, our assurance of pardon, in our Old Testament reading. God will undo Everything that is broken, God will bring in the outcasts and heal them. God will take those who are far off and bring them near. And the resurrection of Jesus is Jesus ushering in that new reality and it changes everything. So look at the contrast that Paul makes in this passage in Romans chapter 8 in these just few verses. A contrast between the old, the way things were, and the new, the, things, the way things will be, the age before the resurrection of Jesus and the age after. And he really contrasts these in two realities, the, as in the spirit and in the flesh. In verse 11, he ties the new age that Jesus ushered in to the Holy Spirit because the spirit raised Jesus from the dead. In verse 11, In 1 Corinthians 15, after the resurrection, Jesus has become the life-giving spirit or the one who gives the Holy Spirit of life. If you belong to the old age, the age that Paul calls of the flesh, the broken ways things were before the resurrection, as a result, you are under the condemnation of God, verses 1, 3, and 4. But if you belong to Jesus... You belong to the new age. What's it characterized? The age of the spirit where you're declared righteous. The second half of verse 10. No longer you move. You see what happens? In the old age, you're under condemnation because you were broken in your sin. But in Jesus, because of the resurrection, you stand before him as righteous. If you belong to the old age, you belong to the age where death reigned. You belong to the new age. You belong to an age of life and peace because you are united to Jesus, the true living one, who made his people at peace with God. This chapter starts with this broad proclamation There are therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, the crucified and risen one. You move from death to life. If you belong to Jesus, he's changed you. The resurrection has actually broken out internally in your life. See, if you belong to the old age, the age of the flesh, you cannot please God. It is impossible to do so because your mind is hostile towards God. Verse 7, and therefore you cannot even submit to God's law. You're bound by the brokenness of sin like France was under the terror of Nazi Germany. But in the new age that's come, you belong to the resurrection era. Christ is in you by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 10. So I know some of you got dragged here by your family today. And some of you are visiting because it's Easter. And you're kind of different places spiritually. Maybe a little cynical about Christianity And so let me say this to you And maybe some of you are just kind of on the fence Kind of toyed with Christianity Maybe some of you have been hurt by the church And run out And are just kind of dipping your toe in the water Wondering is this someplace I can come back to So let me say this to all of us As long as the resurrection of Jesus As long as the resurrected Jesus Stays outside of us Is simply a historic event He's of no value to us You've got, to, you've got to move into him and trust yourself to him. And that happens by faith. See, what makes the resurrection of Jesus that ushered into this new reality a reality in your life is when you become one with him. See, faith is not like the classroom where you assent to certain truths or learn certain beliefs. Faith is like going to the hospital. You've got to entrust yourself to someone else's care because you're just so broken and helpless. Unless you take care of me, I'll die. You can't heal yourself. And so when you entrust yourself to Jesus, when you come to him by faith, all that's true about him becomes true about you. That is by definition what a Christian is. A Christian is a someone who is united to Jesus and therefore been raised to new life and are part of a new era. A Christian isn't a good person. A Christian's a broken person who's been made into a new person. Christianity is not about morality. It's about new life. Resurrection life. A Christian isn't someone who just believes certain truths and been entrusted themselves to the true and living one. And if you are united to Jesus, you have entered into a new era of history. You have been transferred out of the flesh into the realm of the new world of the Spirit. And therefore, the resurrection of Jesus serves as both an anchor and a horizon in this way. An anchor that I can change. Maybe it, Let me rephrase that. Not that I can change. It is an anchor that I will change. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And is it also an anchor that things The circumstances of life will change. It's a horizon. I can set my eyes towards that because Jesus has been raised from the dead. Put it another way, it's both an internal hope and an external hope. There's hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. If I've moved into the new area, the era of the spirit, where things are radically different than they were before, there's hope that I can be a different person. I will be a different person. So, since the Christian is united to Jesus, our hope, if, you're, if you've entrusted yourself to the care of Jesus, our hope is not from the past, but from the future. So the Christian means you belong to the new era, the age of the resurrection, but you still live in a broken world. And so it creates this tension. The new era is not totally taken over yet. It will. But what it means to be united to Jesus and made into a new person is this. Who you will be, who you can be, is not determined by who you have been. Hope for change is not rooted in your potential, but in the potential of the resurrected Jesus. You will not be who you are because your hope for change is not rooted in your strengths or ability but the fact that you belong to Jesus Christ who has been raised from the dead. You stand righteous before him in this new era and he lives in you and will not let your life be occupied by anything less than the fullness of the resurrection. Hope for change not rooted in your potential, but in the potential of the resurrected Jesus. And see what this creates is a tension between the old man, the sin that still remains in me, the brokenness of my life, and the new man, the old era and the newer era. You live in both. You have remnants of this old fleshly era in you, but you're united to Jesus. And these forces that are at work are not equal. And when a greater force meets a lesser force, The greater force always wins. If I were to stand on the train track and try to stop a barreling locomotive, children, don't try this at home, the unstoppable force of the train would meet me. We would momentarily be opposed. And then the unstoppable force of the locomotive would devastate my small opposition. In Christ, verse 9, you, however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if the spirit of God dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit is the unstoppable force of the one who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Not only is there potential for change, not only is there a probability for change, the unstoppable force of the resurrection of Jesus dwelling in you by his Holy Spirit will change you. Because this spirit, if you look back in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, this spirit raised Jesus from the dead with power. So let me say this again. Who you can be is not determined by who you have been. Hope for change is not rooted in your potential, but in the potential of the resurrected Jesus. But you see, our problem... Why this doesn't really change us right? it doesn't really radically affect our lives Is that we're so used to this old reality That we don't fight hard enough to live in this new reality This is what Paul's doing just in these Romans chapter 8 He's like this is who you are You've got to remember who you are You're going to forget who you are This is the truth For 11 years a man named Merhan Karimi Nasiri Was a man without a country Strangely enough, for 11 years, he lived in the uh, Paris airport. He didn't have a passport. He had been driven out of his native country of Iran, and he showed up at the Paris airport. He didn't have a passport. He didn't have the right papers, and so he was stuck. They sent him away to, to Brussels, because where did he send it? Brussels. We'll send him to Brussels. They sent him to Brussels. Brussels sent him back. And so for 11 years, he just lived in the, in, in the Paris airport. He lacked Everything he needed, and so he he lived writing daily and day out in his diary. He lived off handouts from the airport employees. He cleaned up in the airport bathroom. That was his home. That was his reality for 11 years. And then in September of 99, a situation reversed, and the French authorities realized, man, that we need to let this guy in. We need to give him an international travel card and a residency permit. He became a citizen of France, and suddenly, as a result, he's liberated. He's free to go any place he wants And so when the airport officials handed him his walking papers, to everyone's surprise, he simply smiled, sat down, and resumed writing in his diary. They found he was afraid to leave the bench and the table that had been his home for 11 years. And as the days passed, as he refused to leave the airport, the airport officials said they would not throw him out. Instead, they gently coaxed him to live in this new reality. This is what the Spirit does for us as well, through His Word. You've been raised to new life. You don't have to live this way anymore. You've been raised with power. Say no to your fleshly desires. So it's an anchor, right? The Resurrection's an anchor amidst the storms of life. I can say this to myself: This is who I am. This is more than my current sin. More than my current circumstances more than my current self-talk, more than my failures, more than my brokenness. This is who I am. and I'm sinking, I anchor into the resurrection of Jesus because I'm united to him. But it's also an external hope. It sets a horizon for us. The resurrection of Jesus sets a horizon for us. And this is where Paul goes lastly. There's a hope that the world will be different one day. It will not be as it is. How do I know? Jesus has been raised. That was not any old resurrection. He's been raised, ushered in a new era. The new heavens and new earth will come one day by the same Jesus who brought up from the dead and gave us his spirit. And T. Wright says it this way. Easter means that in a world where injustice, violence, and degradation are endemic. Just look at the news, read your paper, scroll down Facebook. It's true. Rising all the time. Injustice, violent degradation, endemic. This is what Easter proves. God is not prepared to tolerate such things. And will, he will work and plan with all of his energy. To implement the victory of Jesus. He crushed him under his wrath for sin. Raised him. Ushered in a new era. Won't he finish the plan? And so you might wonder, why why is God not doing something about this in my life? And I can look at the resurrection and all of a sudden my horizon goes out. Instruments of my life are all out of whack. I can't trust them. What can I trust? The horizon. Jesus has been raised. Things won't be like this forever. Because Jesus is the first fruits. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. You know what happens when you see the first apple tree? When you first see the first apple, sorry, on the tree, you know what happens? Other apples come. When you see the first iris bloom, you know what happens? Other irises are going to come. It's the first fruit. And Jesus is the first fruit. The rest of it won't be far behind. And see how Paul ties the resurrection of Jesus to you in verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You belong to the new era. And he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who dwells in you. That's my horizon. My life is falling apart. I've lost my job. Yet another miscarriage. I don't know if my marriage is going to make it. If I belong to Jesus Christ, I can have this set as a horizon. Things won't be, I won't be all this way anymore. There's my anchor. Things won't be this way forever. There's my horizon. Let me close with this. Kind of small, right? A new era always takes time to see it manifest. But before long, you'll see it changes everything. A new era has been instituted and it's just creeping forward and Jesus will come again. An Italian man died. He had heard of the resurrection of Jesus, but didn't entrust himself to him. He hated Christianity. Knowledge is maybe a historical fact, maybe not. I've at least heard of it. But just in case, he's wanting to, to, to hedge his bets. He just so hated Jesus that when he died, he instructed that a huge slab of hard stone be put over his grave just in case there actually was a resurrection and he had sygnius put all over it said i don't want to be raised from the dead i don't believe in it but evidently when he was buried underneath the huge stone was a small acorn and over the years all of his efforts to keep jesus out essentially was broken by the smallest of acorns that grew into a tree that couldn't stop so it is with the resurrection of power of Jesus in our lives if you belong to him and in this world you see if that acorn has the power to break a hardened stone then the spirit of the resurrection has the power to break death And your sin. So sink the anchor of your hearts into the resurrected Jesus and look for the horizon of your life out of your circumstances into the one who's coming to resurrect the world. Let's pray. Father, it is with thanks that we come to you, this is a plan set in motion so long ago by you to undo all of the brokenness in our lives, and all of the brokenness in this world. You won. You are winning. You will win. Because Jesus has been raised. And he is our hope. So we pray this in his name. Amen.